This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm not sure whether to start with them. What I propose as a moratorium on a certain phrase. And no, it has nothing to do with a bingo card that you guys have in front of you at my own expense over here. Uh, when I just learned that uh, Danny Sarek was almost a member of the initial 2023 injury report that isn't scheduled to come out till, oh, I don't know, August uh, 12th? Something before ball, the first you're, preseason you're ball game. Ballparking that. I'm ballparking we're, we're, that. So we're now we're talking preseason football. Why are you doing this to you me? You think Paul? I learned my lesson not to talk to you guys before we start recording anything by now? So Danny, uh, you are healthy, so we can report on what was a near injury. Uh, you nearly falling. Uh, I, is it is it the heels? Are you blaming anything? No, it no. was not my heels. Okay. Yes, I almost fell flat on my face in front of our new general manager, Monty Austin Fort, on. Uh, what what day is what what is it third Tuesday this the, afternoon the the four day week threw me off. Um, I was. Well, leaving. you really are out of sorts right now. Is it an inner ear problem maybe from your weekend? <laughs> I might need to go check out our, our trainer. No, actually not for my weekend. Okay. I'm just all over the place. She's One story at a time. Dad hung up on her too. So. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Just can I, mean, I get there one thing at a time, sorry. Darren? Airing of the dirty laundry. My goodness. So I was leaving our studio after doing a one-on-one interview with Awesome Fort. And normally we have sandbags that prop open the doors because they don't stay open on their own. So when somebody, I I don't know who, shut the doors, instead of moving the sandbag out of the way, they left it outside of where it normally is when you prop the door open. So when Darren and I were leaving the studio to go film a video... I walked out and went to turn the corner and I wasn't looking at the ground while walking. So all of a sudden I am falling face first and I have to grab the back, the upper shoulder of Mark Dalton in our media relations department to stop my fall right in front of our new general manager. Seriously, you were going to go timber run on your face. Darren can attest to this. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm not sure what's more amazing that that Danny uh, saved herself from near calamity or that there's a sandbag in Arizona, especially in the Phoenix metro area. I mean, the odds of a those sandbag are, being mean, around, right? Those sandbags in the uh, in the production world, the TV production world, the video production world, those are those are constants, Paul. And for the record, since I know that Craig Grealo is listening, can I just talk about the story with my dad real quick? Because it was Monday night and the football game was starting, the Cowboys and the Bucks, oh, and yeah. I called my dad and I said, Dad... I cannot have the Cowboys come out for a Super Bowl in Arizona. That I, I, I couldn't handle that. I said, I'm really sorry. I'm, I don't want to say go Bucks to you, but like I can't cheer for the Cowboys. And he goes, whatever. And he hung up on me. <laughs> As he should. Absolutely. I mean, in the moment, that moment right there, he's got his game face on. His playoff game is about to be had. I told Craig on cover two last week when we were talking about predictions, I said, you think 
I'm a fool if you think I'm going to predict the Cowboys winning any playoff games because I'm not dumb. I know that the Cowboys come to Arizona next year, and if I pick Dallas to win anything, as if Craig never lets me live it down already that I used to work there, it would just not be smart long term. Well, it's their first road playoff win since 92, right? So, Were you uh, born yet? Yeah. I was not. Yeah, that's what I thought. Absolutely not. So... All right, so there you go. That's 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 Danny's brush with <laughs> n- with workplace injury. Shoot. If we still have you listening, thanks uh, for listening. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you know, I should have a bingo card. What are the odds on the day the Cardinals make it official and they hire a new GM? We're talking about Danny in the workplace. I mean, my goodness. Okay, so under the GM. Here we go, Darren. You can make the announcement. Envelope, please. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if there's any announcement needed at this point as we have had news of Monty Osenfort taking over as the general manager for a number of hours now. Okay, first impressions based on the fact that both of you have met him in person and there was a press conference that was conducted nearly 45 minutes worth. First impressions, Darren, go. I mean, I I can't really give you much impressions on what he's going to be as a GM. I mean, the reality is this, uh, Paul, you and I have been through a number of these kinds of press conferences. He didn't say anything remarkable in terms of what he wants to do. Um, I mean, it's good to hear, hey, we ego will not be tolerated and that stuff. And I know we'll get into that. But essentially, that's what everybody kind of aims for. It's it's how you balance that once you get people involved and humans involved and players involved. Um, and I have some thoughts on that. But I, I like how he handles himself. He handled himself. He certainly didn't get up there and say you got a winner in town, which I think is good. <laughs> And, uh, Which is the last time the Arizona Cardinals hired an external yes, GM, by the way. Correct. And uh, Buddy Ryan. And I, and I think I, I do like how he handled himself. And I like what I what I heard. I, I talked to my compatriot uh, on the Titans team website who, like me, was a longtime journalist before he took that job. He was a journalist longer than I was before he went in-house. And he said, you're going to really like this guy. Uh, I got a text from a um, a personnel guy in the league that I've known for a while who said, this is a really good hire. You're going to really like him. He's going to be good to work with. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Matt Castle, the former quarterback who, uh, interestingly enough, played for the Patriots, played for the Titans, where those are the two of the three places Monty Osenfort has worked. And didn't know Monty Osenfort from either of those places, but he happened to uh, have his kids go to school with Monty's kids. And I talked to him a little bit, and he just said, this guy has been ready for being a GM for a while. He knows his stuff. Um, I, I vaguely remember this last year, but he interviewed for the openings with the Bears, Vikings, and Giants last year, GM openings, plus the Titans this year. So he's been through a number of interviews. People have thought he would be a good candidate. It's not like... This guy has come out of nowhere just for the Cardinals. Here's a first impression. Would you agree, based on what you know so far, and obviously it's not much, that he is a detail-oriented person? Can we say that, that he's detail-oriented? I mean, he's, that's how, what he says. I, again, we've known him for not very long. I mean, and, and unfortunately, or for, I mean, we're, we're trying to do some of this without any kind of track record that we know about. I'm not saying he doesn't have a track record, but we're not familiar with it. So if you want to cite track record, 15 years in the Patriots organization, that would seem to speak of um, being concerned with the little things, the details. That that is the Patriot way. When Belichick comes out and there was a quote from someone, I think it was a 2019 season, 
where they had a banner season, and he, out of nowhere, complimented Monty and some of the other Patriots staffers for all the work they had done over the years and all the drafts and and all the grinding they had done, thousands of prospects, and you whittle it down to 100 on your big board come draft day, et cetera. The reason I bring that up is because if there's one thing the Arizona Cardinals were missing in 2022, it was attention to detail, right? How many players, how many coaches said, it's the details, we got to lock in. Not even media speak. You heard it in hard knocks. You heard it in post-game speeches from the Buddha Bakers and James Connors and J.J. Watts of the world. we got to lock in, hone in on the details. So it doesn't surprise me that they settled on a GM of that sort of personality, maybe with that track record, to be very detail-oriented. Because as we've talked about countless times here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, the little things in the NFL are big things. And those little things can become things that cost you games and ultimately the playoffs. It was interesting because Monty was talking about how he's not just going to take things that he's learned from Tennessee or New England and just say, that's how we're going to do them here in Arizona. He says he has a system he likes, but he wants to put a spin on things. And he's open to seeing how things have been done here and, and what's worked and what hasn't worked. But it's interesting of both Monty and Michael Bidwell talking about the vision And it did kind of have a different feel of, I don't want to say no nonsense, but it it did have a different feel than maybe what it had felt like around the facility the last couple of years, at least the last almost two years I've been here. And and that's going to happen. This isn't entirely, you know, this is a new start, regardless of how much of this coaching staff is going to be here or not moving forward like that. That's expected to have a little bit of a different feel. It, it just felt, I don't know about more serious, but but you're right, of, of more attention to detail. And I think that's also because of one quote that has kind of been circulating around Twitter and people have been analyzing it however they want to of something that Monty talked about was putting the team first. And that was something that he's learned of. Even if something might benefit you, making the decision that benefits the team before you. And the word that he used was saying he's not going to tolerate an ego. I don't know if he meant more selfishness. Maybe he did mean ego. And so that, of course, people have been running with that online. Does that mean a specific player or anything in particular? Um, But even Michael Bidwell had said when asked about if the players had any had voiced any of that same feeling that Monty was talking about with the ego. And Michael said, yes. He said their word was more accountability, which is what Michael has repeatedly said. So I'm sure all of that came into consideration when making the final decision on a general manager is whatever this vision is, whatever this system is, I would imagine it is going to heavily focus on things like putting the team first, not being selfish, and attention to detail. In fact, if that is the formula that's needed, could you really go internal? Did you have to go external to truly get the change that you've identified that you need and the accountability that is needed according to ownership and according to the player feedback? Could you really realistically stay internal? Probably not. And then, of course, the next natural question is, as Michael Bidwell mentioned that one of the, the first coach getting the interview is going to be Vance Joseph who's internal I mean how much how much 
thought will he actually get because he also is internal? I don't know. I think that's a good question. Um, I, I think, look, the, the Cardinals, we, we mentioned Buddy Ryan earlier the last time they hired an external GM. Obviously, Buddy was both coach and general manager. You take out those two years, the, the last time before that they hired an external GM was 1973. Wow. Uh, because in 19, that was Joe Sullivan, who was the, they didn't call him GMs. They haven't always called him GM, but the person in that role, um, Joe Sullivan went to 1979. Larry Wilson was already working for the team when he was made that person in 1980. He did it all the way up until Buddy Ryan got hired. When Buddy Ryan got fired, of course, Bob Ferguson was, was elevated to that role. Again, they didn't call him a GM. Right. Then Rod Graves was moved up. And I think if I recall correctly, I don't think Rod got the actual GM title. He was already doing that role before he got the GM title. But then he got he he was in place, and then obviously Steve Keim, who was a longtime scout, replaced Rod Graves. So it, it's it is a big deal to be going external, and it's going to be very interesting to see how that all comes together because there's there's so much when when we have seen internal hires around here. And again, Danny hasn't been here long enough to, to have gone through one of these, but you and I have, Paul. When you talk about an internal hire, the other part of that is usually there's not a ton of change. You're you're essentially promote. You are you're promoting from somebody from within. Well, when you promote somebody from within, you've already got the people in place that are doing it. You know, if if Tim Delaney left tomorrow, who leads our department, please don't. And br- they bring in somebody external. You don't know what's going to happen, Danny. Um, Whoa. So, anyways, wow. But but okay. so so uh, you you don't know he he Monty Osvar was asked you know what does that mean and he said that he's going to have to figure all this stuff out and I have no doubt that there will be many people that already work here that will remain in their roles but I, I'd be stunned if there wasn't some change because that's what happens. I will say too, I would imagine from what we have heard from Michael Bidwell, it has been a lot of accountability. In his press conference a week ago, he said that he wanted a culture that was maximum effort. To me, and I this is not intended to, I don't want it to come out as a knock on any internal candidates for the coaching staff or general manager position. That to me sounds like things you want to branch out from. Because even if you might be, you know, your, your own person, you might still, whether that's fair or not, be somehow attached to the regime that was here before. And if you feel like something like accountability and effort are things that need to change, it might make more sense for an external hire, maybe not even necessarily saying that, not not thinking that those internal candidates are capable of that, but also the players. What are the players going to respond to? If, if you're keeping so much of that same regime of internally hiring you know, are the players going to really feel like things are that much different than before? And that that could have been something that came into play as well. But I, do, I don't want that to come out that saying that the internal candidates that were interviewed didn't deserve a, a fair shot or anything like that. This is also somebody who just has so much experience really on the scouting side of things that he's bringing as well. It's been 22 years in the NFL. Monty Osmore has been working. Yeah. Uh, my two cents on that, and I... Look, I'm close with Adrian Wilson. I feel like I'm pretty close with Quentin Harris. And we found out today, Matt Harris, the director of football administration, basically the, the main salary cap and contract guy, uh, he also got an interview for GM. So I thought that was interesting. 
Um, I, I don't. I I think part of this, unfortunately, you know, you you say it doesn't mean those guys weren't good candidates. Unfortunately, I think there's a possibility they were really good candidates, and yet just the mere idea of making that decision to go external was going to cost them, no matter what they brought to the table. And that, whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But the old guilty by association, right? right. Whether that's fair or not, you yeah. you might still somehow be too attached to the people that were here before well, and maybe maybe they didn't Michael Bidwell maybe didn't feel like that was going to incite enough change that yeah. he was looking for well and even if you don't feel like he was attached just again perception is reality with so much of this stuff and and we've talked about that before what what's the perception to your fan base if you stay internal maybe that's part of it too although clearly there were a lot of fans that wouldn't have mind seeing adrian or quentin get the job and how do you know if you're the decision maker if you're the ultimate decision maker in running a franchise how do you know who's part of the problem who's part of the solution you think you know but to guarantee change to guarantee a fresh perspective it's almost mandatory you go outside the organization and that's what the cardinals did and I tell you, I did like one of my other first impressions in just sitting there for the Monty Austin Ford press conference was that he does seem to be his own person. Yes. In one breath, he'll say, you know what, um, I'm new to being a GM. There's that humble, I need to learn on the job. At the same time, he's also quick to point out he's not going to be the whole rinse, wash, repeat was his line. Yeah, I thought that other was a great si- line. Because, look, the track record of – the Patriot way is not good unless your name is Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. Yeah. There's just not a lot of success trying to emulate that, trying to be Belichick or Brady and trying to bring that Patriot way of doing things to other organizations. You better be your own person. Well, and it's, it's interesting you bring that up because there, there were a, there were a, a number of things said that felt like they could have been addressed to certain things and they weren't, you know, obviously people are making jumps about, some of these comments about the ego comment or whatever to the quarterback or, or maybe. And then, but the rinse and repeat, he didn't specifically say, I know everybody thinks that just do it. You, you can't just necessarily bring the Patriot thing, but that's what everybody thought. Nobody's sitting there going, Oh yeah, you don't want to rinse, repeat, wash with the Titans, how we did it at the Titans or the Texans. Everybody knew he was talking about the Patriots and you're right. I think that was important when he kept talking about, I'm, I want to put my own spin on these things. I'm going to take parts of these, which you have to, because everybody does that. Your your life experience, your work experience is what's going to have built where you've gotten now. But yeah, you do not want to draw a direct line to what they were doing to what you're going to do here, because it usually doesn't work out. One of the reasons it works out so well in New England is specifically because of Bill Belichick, and you are not Bill Belichick. You know, and and there's, I'll let you, I'll let you eventually get to whenever we're getting to the ego stuff. But that I think that has to do with the ego part of uh, conversation too. I mean, look, in business is called best practices, right? You take a little bit from different organizations that do things very well. You incorporate it into your own game plan, but ultimately, it's the way you do things. That's what the Cardinals are hiring. They're hiring you as the GM. They're not hiring you to emulate or impersonate. Bell Belichick or the we got Patriot Frank Caliendo made. down the road. Right. We can have him do Belichick. Exactly. So when Monty Austin Ford also said, and this is near the top of the press conference, talking about talent and personnel evaluation, when he said, and I quote, "We're going to change the process," 
I have a system I believe in. You know, to me, he really fell into a comfort zone at that moment in the press conference. Yeah. Now he's talking about personnel. Yeah. That was his wheelhouse. That's what he's been doing. And to me, there's nothing more valuable. We can talk about the leadership. We can talk about the culture. We can talk about being detail-oriented. But if he has an eye for talent, and he can find dudes, he can find playmakers and difference makers up and down the draft, in free agency, undrafted rookie free agents that he's talked about are the lifeblood of any organization. If he can be that guy with that eye for talent, now you're talking about a GM who could have a long run to top the Cardinals organization. That's why Monty Osfort kept talking about opportunity when asked about why he was intrigued by this opening, because there are a lot of opportunities or challenges ahead. This Cardinals team has 30-plus pending free agents, third overall pick in the draft, and your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback, who you just gave a massive contract extension to, is rehabbing from an ACL injury and will likely miss multiple, at least a handful of games to start the season. That's not something easy to walk into. Oh, and, and yeah, you need to find a new head coach. But with somebody right. who has such experience scouting, finding that talent I think short term this is a great opportunity but something I liked from the press conference was when Austin Fort was talking about that this is not short term he's not looking for short term solutions he wants long term long term it's not about just finding talent it's about creating that team and he wasn't just talking about the players he was talking about personnel as well and in his staff of you want to have that depth you want to have that collaboration so that you can be successful on the field. And he wants the front office to be so successful that after every season, other teams are wanting to hire and and give other promotions to people in his department because they're doing so well and then everybody else is training and it's just you're, you constantly feel like you have the depth you need. And I thought that was interesting, not just talking about that from a player standpoint, but from what he wants his staff to look like as well. I um, it, it's, it's a hard not a hard day, but for me, especially having done this for so long, I just want to fast forward to some of the stuff that he can't answer. And it's not that he was trying to uh, sidestep anything today. I mean, literally, the guy found out Monday during the day that he was getting this job. And, you know, less than 24 hours later, he was doing a press conference. He's not going to be able to tell you exactly what he's going to do with DeAndre Hopkins or what they might do at quarterback if Kyler's not ready for the beginning of the season or any of that stuff. But you look at it. We, we talk about the 30 free agents. I'm going to tell you right now, and you know this just as well as I do, Paul, um, and this is even without a general manager, even if the general manager had already been in place, but especially now that there's going to be a new GM, external GM, and a new head coach. I guarantee you, and, and fans out there, you can, you can play along with this if you would like. There, as we sit here in this mid-January, there is a player, at least one, perhaps more, that you expect to be in next year's starting lineup. You think it's a lock, and that guy is either not going to be starting or may not even be on the roster. I guarantee you. Because the coach will Who decide. Who is it, Darren? I don't know. Just tell us That's already. That's a great question. What do you know? I'm going to go Brian Windhorse now. But, I mean, literally, I don't know I don't know who it might be. But inevitably, there's going to be somebody. There's going to be somebody that doesn't – there's going to be a player that doesn't fit what Monty Awesome Fort sees with some of this other stuff he's talking about. There's going to be a player that doesn't fit what a coach – what the head coach wants in terms of scheme or 
they rub, a veteran rubs him the wrong way, Dexter Jackson, and and that person's going to be gone. And everybody's going to be like, what just happened? And that's just inevitable how this change kind of works. This might not be the intent of you bringing that up, but can we just talk about the elephant in the room now? A question sure. that was asked to Monty Awesome for, yes. which was about DeAndre Hopkins' future here. He posted a cryptic Instagram post, basically. Before Awesome Fort was hired. By yes. Um, and there have been rumors allegedly online that Hopkins would be interested in playing somewhere else. He has a no trade clause, so he would have to approve of that. And Awesome Fort was asked about that in his press conference. And Michael answered. Yes. And that I that's noticed, a decision that they're going to didn't get around to He did not. Him. They're they're going to evaluate yeah. and they're going to get to that in the next couple weeks, but you would imagine because this was all coming out last week yeah. when interviews were going on, you would imagine that that is something that came up in interviews, right of may, maybe of hypothetically like what what do you envision? Maybe. What what's something you th- you know you think you could get? You wouldn't you think that that maybe comes up in those conversations? Not not deciding on something, yeah, but I, talking about that kind of stuff. I, I think maybe big picture, maybe not something about Hopkins specifically. I mean, number one, if you're Michael Bidwell, before you make any hires, you don't want to be putting that out right, to the world. Absolutely. So no, I don't think there was anything specific like okay. that. Um, and and as we talk, like we don't know what's going to happen. Part of the issue, like I understand the question today. It was a fair question, and I un- also understand why. And and to be clear, both Michael, the question was posed to both Michael and Monty. Michael answered it. Monty smartly decided to say, I'm going to let that stand as the answer because there is no answer right now, because I don't think that decision can be fully made unless you have your head coach on board. That's number one. And there's a lot of moving pieces. You mentioned Hop's got a no trade clause. Hop's going to cost 30 million on the cap this year. But if you trade him. Uh, before June 1st, which is almost when you're going to have to do it, he's going to carry a $22-plus-million-dollar dead cap charge. Ouch. So either way, it's it's going to hurt you. Um, and Hop is probably looking for a new contract already because he's got no guaranteed money right now. There's a lot of factors involved that there's no way that they could be that deep in conversations yet. But it's going to be something that comes up. I, I think... Well, And you don't know what he's going to command. What if a team's willing to give you a first-round pick? Correct. Then you know what? You eat the $22 million dead cap hit, so you, you, and you take the first-round pick. If you get a first-round offer, it's, it's absolutely. done. Absolutely. Done deal. He gone. See ya. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Again, he's got to approve it. Sure. But if he's going to get a team that's going to give him that guaranteed money he's looking for that really values him, and he's going to get that contract, and he's going to get maybe a playoff-ready team with an established quarterback. Wow, he you're making have to a go. lot of assumptions. I'm just saying, you know, it depends on, on, you've on what shrunk, team it is. You've shrunk the pile real quick of who might okay. offer you. Let's and, say it's the New York Giants. Okay. A team that really needs a number one receiver. Okay. Let's say it's the Giants. They come calling. Yep. And they're going to give the Cardinals their first-round pick towards the lower third, lower quarter of the first round. Yep. Do you do the deal? I I, pro- I do it in a minute. I, I at this mm-hmm. point I probably would just because I know where you are as a football team. And I'm just saying there are those teams who who will convince themselves they're an elite wide receiver away from really contending for the Lombardi Trophy. What has Stefan Diggs done for Josh Allen and the Bills? No, yeah, so I, I don't disagree with any of that. I just I'm saying we have to figure it out. I, I your your method. Uh, uh, how, how you're talking about this, the the method on how you got to where that is, I 100% agree with all that. It, it all makes sense. But I start thinking to myself, okay, 
if I'm, and you can't wait too long, but you think of the to-do list if you're Monty Osenfort, okay? You got to hire a head coach. That's absolutely number one. What's number two? Like to me right now, and again, you don't usually make a lot of changes in the personnel department until after the draft. You're probably a little too far. So maybe you can push that down the road a little bit. However, you are still talking about, okay, what are we going to do in terms of, do I want at least one of my guys in here to, to be with yeah. me? How does that all work? You've got some free agents you got to figure out. Now, obviously a hop trade would figure into all that, but you don't have to trade hop until the draft either. Right. I'm not expecting if hop is traded for it to happen anytime soon. I would think to your point, you got to solidify your personnel department. I don't think you can really change it up between now and the draft. That that is tough. I mean, you can talk about the personnel department. The personnel yeah. department, you know, not to mention with 30 plus pending free agents, who knows those players a lot better than you? All the people who are currently in place. You know, when well. you you can sit there and you can watch film of pick someone. You know, Antonio Hamilton but do you really know, okay, but wait a minute, at what point in the season was he really 100% coming off the foot injury and the burns, that kind of stuff? Well, like, So you need people in place to tell you, or, you know, hey, this guy is a plus in terms of attitude. No, this guy's a minus in terms of work ethic. How do you know some of these things? You can watch the film, but do you really know the player? I don't disagree with that, but I will say that we, we, we can talk about 30-plus unrestricted free agents, and that's a true statement. But I'm also going to say that there's probably – I don't know if you can, if you're going to go beyond one hand in terms of guys you absolutely want to have back. And I'm guessing the vast majority of them are later guys who are like, okay, we're going to see what we have on the roster, and then maybe we bring you back. So I, I, I think your list is much smaller than. Yeah, I would say you know Zach Allen and Byron Murphy. You better figure that out pretty quick, oh, right? Well, those two for that's, sure. That's front burner. Absolutely, I think two of. Thinking more on the offensive side of the ball, though, which is very veteran heavy, a lot of those petting free agents, is based upon your head coach. Even if you're keeping yes. a lot of the coaching staff that was here under Cliff Kingsbury, there were still multiple positions that weren't permanently filled. Your offensive line coach and run game coordinator is what wasn't permanently filled, at least yeah. to my understanding. That was just to get through the season. Your running backs coach, your assistant running backs coach, there's tight ends coach everything trickled down yep so I think when you look at those free agents a lot of that's going to come from your head coach and also if you're taking more so a defensive minded route this time around what kind of with their defensive coordinator what kind of scheme are they going to run is is that going to be a drastic change and that's going to change who you want in the trenches I mean there's a lot of decisions now when you come to like a Zach Allen or a Byron Murphy I agree I, I think regardless of what the head, yes. co- you know, the head coach or the scheme like those those two players fit here and play yeah. well. But I'm saying more yes. as a whole, looking at the list, maybe they don't want to go so veteran heavy on offense the way that it was last year for the Cardinals. Well, yeah, I think of guys like MyJ Sanders, who I don't know if he projects necessarily as a regular four three defensive end. What if you change? I will say this: if you get, I'm very excited for the Cardinals Underground uh, podcast after the Cardinals hire a head coach, not just to talk about the head coach, but Unless they hire an offensive guru for their head coach, which I guess if they did Sean Payton, I guess that would qualify, right? Yep. But if they hire a Flores, if they stick with Vance Joseph, if they go Demeco Ryans, all we're going to be talking about is who the offensive coordinator is going to be. And it's funny because 
I feel like we've had to talk about those t- things in the past, but it's never been like a major topic. I think with this quarterback, like that's going to be the biggest thing of the offseason. Right? Absolutely. In fact, I was just on with Wolf and I said, if you're going to go with a defensive head coach, he better have a home run in mind when it comes to who's running his offense, right? And from what I've seen, there's no reporting on that. Does Brian Flores come with someone in mind to run his offense? Vance Joseph, right? That's the first question those guys will be asked, maybe even before they even get the interview, is, okay, wait a minute, who's your offensive guy? And, and what sort of system? You know, because obviously the biggest investment is in the quarterback, and obviously as your quarterback goes, your franchise goes, so everything is tied into that. Not only that, but who's played such a major role with Kyler Murray these last couple of years? Quarterbacks coach Cam Turner. Yeah, That's something as well of if you bring in an offensive coordinator, that decision is going to have to be made as well, obviously building the rest of your staff of who are you going to keep, who doesn't fit with what you're wanting. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of decisions. Obviously, a big you know the big one is going to be offensive coordinator after head coach, absolutely. But a lot of those little pieces as well of as you trickle down, who makes sense to keep? Who's going to want to walk away? Like it's there. There's a big possibility. It's there's a lot of change that's coming. So when the single biggest quote from the press conference, at least the one that got the most attention, when Monty Austin Fort was talking about we're looking for sustainability, not just to collect talent but build a team. We're looking for the right type of players. Quote: Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. Do you think that was directed at one player? And One or player hand, or and, me? Do you, no. <laughs> do you think? Did say the organization? I I didn't say Danny. Did I? I didn't. You just you just did. What did I say that out loud? Son of a. Um, well, she was humble enough to to mention she almost face planted over the sandbag. So you know, I mean, come on. It's uh, you <laughs> anyways. Know. Uh, with I mean, look. I I didn't quite take it as being directed solely at the quarterback. I did not. Um, but I guess a lot of people have online based Here's on because f- I tweeted out the quote and based on the responses yeah, I got, I it, was, I, it was 80% directed at the quarterback. I can see that. But also, wouldn't that be one of the most foolish things to do in your introductory press conference would to be to shade your franchise quarterback? I can't imagine that was his intent. No, I don't agree. Absolutely not. And I would also say this, and and uh, our good friend Kyle Odegaard made this point, which I agree with, but I, I, that's why I also believe there is, again, we're, we're back to the nuance, like the nuance of Michael Bidwell saying he's getting input from players and everybody assumed Kyler Murray was going to get to handpick his coach. I think the same thing with this. Um, no player, no player, I don't care who they are, has gotten to this point without some ego. I was told, Matt Castle was like, the best part about Monty Osenfar, he's like, he's got no ego. I like him. There's no way he has no ego. Everybody's got an ego. I know I got an ego. You do. I know Paul's got an ego. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Like, Is that he, on the bingo card? No, no. that wasn't. Okay. So I, I just feel Can't like. spell bingo without ego. I, oh, actually, you can. I'm sorry. I do think there is a possibility of making sure you temper your ego enough so that the team comes first. And I think that's ultimately where he would be going because he kind of implied that later when he started talking about you know mental toughness is about being able to put the team, do something for the team 
that would benefit the team knowing that the opposite would benefit you. This also goes back to what Michael Bidwell has been talking about in his last two press conferences, accountability. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a topic that came up in the interview process and it was a discussion that they came to agree upon of more so accountability rather than ego, but kind of the same mindset. And it was just, that's just how Monty Austin Fort was maybe expressing. I, I really don't see that he was realistically in his introductory press conference basically saying to Kyler Murray no, without no. saying to Kyler Murray, Again, I agree. this is for you, bud. I don't think he's saying that to, to Kyler in particular, but I, I do think he's saying it to a, a, a section of the locker room that, uh, again, you can you can feel good about yourself and your game and still do the things that it need to be about the team. And I, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying there's a bunch of guys in the locker room that were always about themselves all the time, but it's easy to slip into that. It's easy to slip into that. It just is. And and that goes for, for most people. And again, I, I just think, again, when like I was saying before, Paul, when you go through these press conferences, you hear a lot of big picture type things. Sure. That, that kind of fell in that bucket. It did. Yeah, it was near the beginning of the press. In you fact, know, it was right off the top. It, so it was in his it was, notes. It was in his opening you, statement. You want to you wanna say, look, it's always easier to come in as the hard ass and let up a little bit than be the mm-hmm. other way around. And I... With all due respect to Cliff Kingsbury, I think that was one of his issues was he got to the point where he he came in trying to be a player's coach, and when he needed to ramp it up, it just you, you can't do it. And look, if you get it right, then look at the before and after. Look at Daniel Jones now under Brian Dable, right? Look at Tua and what he did under Mike McDaniel all year. McDaniel did, a, a, at least if you believe the reports, restored to his confidence that's what was lacking so it can be done I mean look at Trevor Lawrence under Doug Peterson you know from one year to the next okay you've just named three straight new head coaches that were offensive gurus like who are the Cardinals going to do that is there an offensive guru on the list by the way no seriously is there like is there one Vance Joseph it's Ryan's it's Sean Payton Okay. And it's Brian Flores. That's those are the names yeah. we know now. Now, I, I, I got didn't you get the impression Michael was making it sound like there might be more? Yes, absolutely. And here's the other that thing that they were targeting GM first and there's still yes. formulating the head coach list. And here's the other thing about hiring a head coach at this point. If you're looking for guys that are still in the playoffs, you gotta wait. So <laughs> there is is it possible that the head coach won't be hired and or won't be named, I don't until after the Super Bowl? I mean, Paul, you and I covered a Super Bowl where Todd Haley ended up being the Chiefs head coach, and they couldn't get to him until after right. the Cardinals were done. That's right. I mean, think about this. I, I wrote this down. D'Amico Ryans, according to reports, not only does he have a playoff game against Dallas to prepare for, yep. he has head coach interviews scheduled with the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Colts, and the Texans. All this week, plus a playoff game to get his defense ready for. Is that realistic? I mean, how can you expect a defensive coordinator to conduct four head coaching interviews with four different teams and get ready for a playoff game? He must sleep as little as our producer, Jim Amahundro. That's the only way you could prepare for all of that. That's fair. Well, no, that's but he's not going to do that anymore because you put it on his New Year's resolution. No, yeah. you know what? Omo, Omo just is over there, and I can barely see him through the glass, but he just did the, uh, the real-life version of the Alonzo morning gif. I like that. <laughs> but but on to your point, Darren, I mean, you know, more power to him if he can 
multitask like that, D'Amico Ryans. Yeah, but that that's asking a lot of any uh, so, current coach in the playoffs. And again, and I and I know, and we might as well touch on it since we're like the one offensive guy is Sean Payton. Now, would Sean Payton want to be hired so he could have a say on who the GM is? Probably. Like, do I? I personally. I'm not bullish on Sean Payton ending up with the Cardinals. No. And as of we, as we record this right now, while they have gotten permission to talk to him, I've seen no reports that there is a scheduled interview with him. So we'll see. To me, it comes down to three things. Do you think that the Cardinals are going to give him the big, big money, 15 to $20 million a year? Do you think the Cardinals are going to give big compensation to the Saints? And then maybe the biggest non-starter, do you think they're going to give Sean Payton the sort of control that he covets? All three of those things happening – to me, makes Sean Payton a long shot. That's just me. I thought that was, yeah, I thought that all along anyways. Yeah. But So with that in mind, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, once again, I get back to it. If you're going with a defensive head coach candidate, the first and only question in a lot, the first three questions are, who's your offensive guy? Who are you bringing in? Who's going to scheme this up? Who's going to be an asset for the quarterback? Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. But didn't, Michael, one point, say something. At least I saw a quote, and I don't remember hearing it. So I'm. At, this is an honest question. Did he say something about they expect to have a coach within days? Was that his quote? Within days? No, I did not. No, 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 no. Because no, no. somebody that tweeted not, something out to no. that effect. He said he didn't put a timeline on the head coach. No, because I was the one who asked the question about the timeline. Okay. And they basically they said they're they're going to get their their interviews going right now. I can't remember what the exact phrasing was, but. He absolutely didn't say within days because I again I don't think that's realistic at this point. Yeah. And you're you're actually now that you have a GM in place, you can take a breath. Like it'd be good to have the coach in place. You do need to know, but there's at this point over the next three four weeks, the GM is enough to get done what you need to get done. Are you going to start needing to to formulate who you might want to look at a free agency? Absolutely. But you do have some coaches under on staff right now who can help you with some of that. And and the GM's going to kind of have an idea, and you go from there. So let me ask you this. When Monty Austin Ford says during the press conference that there needs to be a, quote, direct line of communication between the head coach and the GM, that there needs to be what he calls complete organizational alignment and then I know on the Red Sea Report, uh, the little bit I heard, Drew Stanton was talking about, former Cardinals quarterback, how the working relationship between the GM and the head coach is as important and as valuable as any aspect of an organization. And I think we would all agree, you know, that, and that those two entities, the head coach and the GM, have to be able to make things uncomfortable for each other. At time, they have to have that strong of a relationship where you can point out errors, where they need to do things better, where you can hold each other accountable. So, with that in mind, I see where the Vegas odds makers are putting Brian Flores as the leading candidate right now to be the next Cardinals head coach based on his existing relationship with Monty Ossenfort. Are you buying that, Danny? Brian Flores, just based on the relationship alone and their years together in New England. I think anything is possible, truly at this point in terms of what they're going to be looking for, offensive, defensive, internal, external. I, I think that anything is truly possible about what the decision is going to be made when it comes to the new head coach. Absolutely, those relationships are important. So it would make sense if, if they are interested in, in bringing out Brian Flores and having him interview for the job. 
especially if accountability was an issue, and that has been cited. And what was the other quote from Michael Bidwell's original press conference? When a culture, Max, Maximum of, effort culture. Would you guys agree that Brian Flores would be that sort of head coach? Where maximum I mean, effort would be stressed and he would be a disciplinarian enough to hold players accountable? It would seem to be that way. Yes, from it would. Way. Now, the Flores thing is very super interesting. I mean... Kent Summers brought it up from azcentral.com. I mean, you got a guy who has a lawsuit going against the NFL, and in that lawsuit is the Steve Wilkes stuff where he mentioned the Cardinals in his one year. So it's 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 a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing, but I absolutely agree with you that and we've talked about this before. What did we say was probably gonna happen if they moved on from Cliff Kingsbury? He was yep. the players coach. So now you bring in the hard ass. Opposite-itis. Yeah. Right? You're going the opposite. So we went Bruce Arians. Yep. Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. And what did Steve Wilkes do in the first training camp full contact practice? He had basically bull in the ring. Yes. He had Corey Peters against your top offensive lineman at the time whose name escapes me. Who was that at that time? It was Chandler Jones versus DJ Humphreys, wasn't it? It might have been. Yes. You're right. It was. I think Corey Peters against whomever was like day two or three. You're right. It was but DJ Humphreys against Chandler Jones to start the first again, practice. Arians was they thought Arians was more of a players coach. You bring in Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes flamed out. You bring in a players coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Now you're you're probably going. Yeah. It's pretty predictable. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you get your results. But again, as much to me, this is me. As badly as you need to make sure that you have a guy who's going to hold everybody accountable, whether that's Brian Flores or somebody else, who is going to be his offensive guy? Because accountability is awesome, but if their offense goes nowhere, like the Buccaneers had Tom Brady, and I think Todd Bowles is a pretty I'm-going-to-hold-you-accountable kind of coach, and their offense didn't do very well. Well, and the Chargers just made a change. Got rid of Joe Lombardi, who was running their offense. Brandon Staley, a defensive head coach. And you saw what happened to the Chargers in the playoffs. And, and Justin Herbert is too good to go out like that. Which, speaking of, sorry, the uh, Tom Brady, and this might not be the right podcast because I know we're going to have many more to come throughout the offseason. Isn't it funny that almost exactly a year ago, Paul was making his hot take that Tom Brady was going to end up back home with the 49ers and now suddenly that is slowly circulating as a possibility not if brock purdy wins the super bowl so omo just made sure that we knew which was thank you very much omo the cardinals actually interviewed brian flores in in 2018 in the steve wilkes cycle and at that point um the report from adam schefter was that jim caldwell would be brian flores's offensive coordinator which is interesting wow that's interesting and yeah. i think that would be i mean jim caldwell is a guy who's interviewed for the head coaching job here before yes he has I so keep I, in mind that was 2018 right. and yeah, lots right. change a lot a lot changes and i understand that but i i i think you talk about i will say this with all due respect to kyler and kind of where he is in his career i think if you had a double of brian flores and jim caldwell as the two guys kind of over him trying to move him forward I think that's a pretty nice, experienced duo that would kind of push him to where he needs to go. Did Brian Flores call his defense in Miami like Brandon Staley does with the Chargers? I do not remember. 
And Jim Caldwell, where has he been? Because I saw he got a head coaching interview with Denver, I yeah, believe. Yeah, I think he just got an Where interview. has he been the last few years? Has he been in the league? I that uh, Unfortunately, I don't know. Would you like me to look that up, Paul? No, it's all right. I was just curious. But that, that, is, that is interesting. There's no, no doubt about that. And, and Jim Caldwell has interviewed here before. There's uh, no question. So... Uh, no, he is he is currently uh, not in the league. It looks like since he got fired. Oh, he was the Dolphins' assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach in 2019 with Brian Flores, probably right. There you go. Wasn't Brian Flores and Paul name? Jim Caldwell's actually been in this room on the uh, tour. Came in through and met him, and seemed like a very nice guy. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, um, I tell you. It's um I, I tend to think that this we might be waiting a lot longer than you think for a head coach. That's that's the only thing I have to say about that. Unless it is a unless it is a Brian Flores, then uh, you, we might be waiting to your no, point that's, earlier. Yeah, because it'll be somebody uh, yes. on a on yep. a team that's still playing. Yep, exactly. I mean there's a lot of guys out there who are getting hot because of what they've done with Jalen Hurts or what they've done with Josh Allen. Or, or whomever. I mean, there are quarterbacks out there that play somewhat similar games to Kyler or could. So it'll be interesting. By the way, let the record reflect. This will be my final comment. Then on a key third and two with three minutes to go in the playoff game, Baltimore checked in Andy Isabella and used I, Andy, on a motion. Are just you to let kidding you know. me? Just to let you know. Are you do you know you that said, two I weeks believe, ago? I believe Danny because, said, I'm not putting that two on. two weeks ago when Darren and I were talking about bingo card, <laughs> things to put on this card, I had I, Andy on there. And I looked at Darren and I said, I feel like we're past that point that he will not say that again. And I took it off. Paul, you are I killing me. I figured i get a reaction. Is, this is the third That's week, fantastic. and I still don't have a bingo, I, and I don't know how. It's like I you've figured. it's like you've gone through my desk, and you saw my card, and you're like, I say most of these things every podcast. I'm going to stop. It's just fantastic. I, there you uh, go. There you go. I, I believe this is this is going to be much better than the ongoing coach search. I'm just going to You're, you're killing me, Paul. Yeah. Well. Boy, Danny took that hard. It's like this, uh, this song I hadn't heard in a long time yesterday. Anybody like Jack White? Jack White, you know? I know of him. There was White, the one White song. Stripes. I think it's a Lazaretto, I think. I don't know. It's a, it popped up out of nowhere on Spotify in the line where it says, When I say nothing, I say everything. <laughs> it makes me think of this time of year. And that'll do it for Cardinals Underground. <laughs> Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. When I say nothing, I say everything.